Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You are listening to Any Given Sunday, a part of the Dead End Podcast Network. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other podcasting services. Please make sure you check out Dead End Hip Hop, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, Is the Mic Still On, Chris Platt's Strictly Hip Hop and Hoops Talk, and a host of other shows on our podcast network. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. For Sunday, September 22nd, 2019, this is Any Given Sunday. I am your host, Manny Brown. What's up, everyone? Hopefully, you guys had a happy, safe, blessed week. Glad you guys are able to join us on another episode of the podcast. My guest this week is Paul Brusace. He is the co-host of What's Your Point with our great friend, Dalvin Osorio. He's also the host of the brand new podcast just started three weeks ago, Prepare for Takeoff, which is available on the great Turn on the Jets digital podcast network. He is a friend of mine. Hopefully he's going to be a friend of the show as well. We got some big news for y'all as well. Uh, Pauly, welcome to any given Sunday, my friend, what's going on? Hey man, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I know we've been uh, trying to link up and get this scheduled and, uh, we had some things that, you know, scheduling conflicts or whatever, but, but proud, proud and happy to be on with you. Glad to have you on finally. Yeah. Like I said, happy to be here. So uh, we got a little bit of news before, though, we get into everything, though. Um, you and I have, are in the early stages. Well, not really early stages. We're kind of in the in the middle stages of uh, planning a new podcast. Should be launching next year. Um, we're still finding light. We're still centering on a name. I have a good idea. It's it's. I, I think we, we've both liked the name, so we're just kind of, you know, we're just... For all you content creators out there, you know the deal when you're thinking through ideas and names and you know, podcasts and kind of, you know, you're in the planning stage of everything. So we're, we're currently in that planning stage, but uh, we're coming out with a new podcast that me and you are going to co-host uh, next year. It's it's, uh, it's going to be a Mets podcast. Uh, we're, we're trying to make it probably the best Mets podcast out there. Some good ones out there, but we're, we're definitely trying to crush it. So um, we're, we're trying to we're trying to launch sometime February next year. So be out on the lookout for that. So um, we figured it would be a good kind of rapport building podcast. To, you know, guys, give you guys a little bit of a glimpse of what's expect next year, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously both being Mets fans and 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 the ups and downs that the the Mets baseball season always brings. Um, you know, there's always there's always drama. There's always chaos. Uh, there's always, like I said, ups and downs. Um, you know, so and I'm always looking forward to to talking sports on any level, whether it's about my my teams or you know the leagues itself. Um, so when you right. asked me for this opportunity, absolutely, I thought it would be great. And like you said, we're in the early brainstorming stages, but uh, you know, once the time gets closer, we'll we'll, we'll drop some news and drop some information. For real, man. So definitely be out on the lookout. I'll post all about it when the time comes. So don't 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 worry about it. We'll definitely keep you guys posted. But yeah, man. Uh, uh, Paul comes well recommended, man. He's uh, we have a mutual friend, Dalvin. Who uh, shout out the DA by the way. Um, he's been on the show. So yeah, man. Uh, definitely excited to get that that um, that opportunity going. And you got a new podcast. Um, go ahead and talk about that before we kind of get into everything. Um, go ahead and plug your podcast real quick. Your new podcast. Um, tell tell the listeners what they can expect from that. Of course. So um, I've, uh, I'm a part of the Turn on the Jets digital network. 
Uh, last year, I had a podcast, which I co-host with Dalvin. Uh, it was called What's Your Point? It was kind of our version of, you know, uh, part of the interruption or first take-ish where we would debate uh, several topics uh, in regards to the Jets. Um, this year, um, kind of switched bases a little bit, uh, and I'm hosting my own show. Uh, it's called Prepare for Takeoff. Uh, the concept of the show is I have beat writers, bloggers of the opponents that the Jets face each week, um, and we kind of go over the matchup to discuss the game. Um, and then what we do is, is, you know, we preview that for you uh, and let you, you know, not, not everybody, I mean, you know, there's casual fans, there's diehard fans, you know, not many people know of a lot about the opponent. So I wanted to just dive in and give the opportunity for people who maybe just follow the Jets and casually watch the rest of the league uh, to kind of get, you know, more input and more information for them in about a 30 to 45 minute, you know, show each week. Awesome, man. That's a, that's a great concept for real. Cause uh, it, it, it kind of, it kind of goes unnoticed and underrated, but you really, I mean, if you don't, I mean, obviously everybody that's an NFL NFL is one of those sports where like there's just, just like, like a jet fan follows other teams or at least is knowledgeable of what's going on. Exactly. It's different. Like in baseball, where it's like, if you're a Met fan, I mean, unless you're a huge baseball fan, like, I mean, like I am, and I know you are, but I mean, like some fans are like, they're just Met fans and they don't necessarily follow what's going on in, you know, with the Royals per se, or, you know, they know what's going on with the Dodgers per se on a day to day basis, obviously, you know, football is a little different because it's 16 games, obviously, and the league is so popular that, you know, it's it's hard not to know as a Jet fan what's going on with the Saints, you know what I mean, or what's going on with the Chiefs or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, but even then, you know, there's, I mean, there's some teams that I don't, I mean, I don't follow the Bengals on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, it's good to have a beat writer on to, to, to you know, to discuss the matchups from, from a football standpoint and just what's going on with that team, you know, how... And it's also good to like get the opposite perspective of like maybe how a beat writer views the Jets and you know get that kind of an opposite perspective too. So that, yeah, that's a dope concept, man. Awesome with that. Well, to, and to and the thing idea. I wanted to do too is is because you know when we were doing the other show, you know we were mm-hmm. talking Jets all the time. And, and don't get me right. wrong, I love talking about the Jets, but at the same time, I like talking about other teams too. And and while I consider myself, you know, a, a a fan of the full NFL and I follow it all. And I think I know a lot about all the other teams. I'm still with these first three, the first three weeks that I've done so far, you know, I have learned some other things about the teams that I might not have, you know, caught right off the bat. So when I grew up, I used to like to watch the NFL matchup shows on, you know, ESPN and NFL network and things like that. So, so that's kind of where my concept came from. And then when I thought of the name, that's when I was like, okay, this is, this is what we're doing because, um, you know, sometimes it, it like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, like you said, we're going back and forth on a name with the Mets podcast, but you know, when that name clicks and, and that's when it's like, okay, yeah, I need to do this show because this, this name is great and the concept is great. And, and, you know, so that's what I'm bringing every week. Um, we're doing really good numbers. Uh, the feedback has been great from, from producer Scott. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, we've got a bye week coming up, so I'm trying to schedule something different, obviously, because we don't have an opponent. So I'll be dropping some news on that. I'll probably do some giveaways too on the show, um, you know, throughout cool. the year. But it, it, it's something that, like, like I said, I, I, I it was kind of my brainchild, um, and, and I enjoy doing it weekly. Awesome, man. So we wish you definitely wish you best of luck, and we'll we'll plug it on this show. Our our podcast coming up next year. Uh, we'll definitely keep the listeners uh, in tune with what's going on with uh, Prepare for Takeoff, man. It's a great idea for real. I haven't had a chance to check it appreciate out just that. yet, but I definitely will. I appreciate that.
Cool, cool, man. Um, so usually uh, when, when I have a guest on the, on the podcast for the first time, um, I usually give that that person, he or she, an opportunity to kind of introduce themselves to the audience. You've kind of done so already a little bit, but um, a more formal intro, just kind of take a couple minutes or to, you know, to just introduce yourself to the audience. Who is Paul Brzeze? That's perfect. Absolutely. So um, name's Paul Brzeze. Everybody calls me Pauly Bruce or Pauly Brzeze, obviously. Um, I'm from upstate New York. Um, I, I am from Utica, New York. A lot of people don't know where that is, uh, but they always associate <laughs> it with, with, uh, the Utica branch in the office. Uh, but I'm about 45 minutes from Syracuse. So when I mentioned Syracuse, people are able to associate that more so than obviously Utica. Um, I lived here my whole life. Um, I'm 32, a huge sports fan. Uh, in obviously I'm a Jets fan. Uh, I'm a Mets fan. I'm a Rangers fan in hockey. Uh, the NBA, I grew up a Bulls fan, but I've kind of gotten out of the team aspect uh, because, you know, there was no more Jordan and the Bulls weren't on that much out this way. So I've kind of just become an NBA fan of like many people just like certain players. Uh, but I do follow the Knicks um, in regards to college sports. I like Syracuse and college basketball and I like Michigan and college football. Um, you know, I'm into popular culture. Uh, Hip hop music is is my background from from a very young age. Uh, love comic books and, and comic book movies. Um, and I collect a lot of memorabilia and Funko Pops. So I got a wide range of things uh, that I'm interested in that, you know, sometimes I've noticed more since the birth of social media that like when I was younger, it was like, okay, well, I like this stuff, but, you know, I'm keeping the comic books and stuff to myself because you right. know, not everybody <laughs> likes that. But since the boom of social media, it's just so crazy how many people share the same interests. And now it's like, you know, the whole the whole comic book boom and the, you know, the comic book movies, and it's become more of something that's acceptable, it seems, you know, by mainstream. So, you know, I've always been into that stuff, you know, ever since a young kid, and I still watch cartoons from time to time. So, you know, I, I'm into everything, and I just enjoy life and enjoy everything, because that's my main thing is, like, you only get one go around on this on this planet. So I try to enjoy it as much as possible. Awesome, man. And that's a great point that you brought up there, because, you know, obviously we live in a, in a society in a time now where everybody likes to bash social media. And don't get me wrong. There's there's a lot of issues with social media. We won't even get into Absolutely. right now. But there's definitely there there's there's issues with social media. So I'm not I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to kind of wax poetic about the, 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 the brilliance of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. But, you know, that is the good thing about social media, that it connects people and it connects peoples with diff, with same hobbies and. You know, it, 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 it unites people. And I think that that's the genuine key of social media that, you know, it kind of unites people, creates a community of people with, with similar interests um, to, you know, kind of just become friends and connect on a, on a wide, on a wide level. You know, it, it used to be different. Yeah. I know some people, I know parents, I know my parents complain that social media has robbed this, robbed society of, of personal contact. And there is some truth to that, but um you know, it also connects a lot of people, and it also keeps a lot of people in contact together too. So, um, it, it's a and good and a bad. Where thing. I grew, oh, and where I grew up, it's mostly it's mostly Bills fans. So, I mean, there was a few Jets fans that I knew, uh, but the Jets right. Twitter community, the people I've met, and now I know so many Jets. Um, you know, right. and like you said, there's there's a side of social media that is is a cesspool and it's awful. But um, there's there's other parts of it which which make it great when what it was initially intended for. Um, so, you know, like I said, it, it's that balance, um, you know, of, of the size of social media, but 
you know, like I said, I, I know more Jets fans than I ever thought I would know in my life because of it. So, um, you know, and I, I met Delvin Absolutely. that way. That's how, that's how I met yeah. Delvin. And, you know, Delvin and I have been, have been like, like bros forever now since, you know, I mean, I started Twitter in 09 and I, I think I followed and, and befriended Delvin shortly after that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good format to, to get yourself out there. And I never in a million years would I think that I would have a podcast that I hosted um, and utilize right. it through social media and, and people across the country should listen to me, you know? So it, it's just a, it's just a cool concept and a cool way to get things out there. Um, I always had aspirations of doing, you know, sports radio or sports broadcasting or something, but you know, I never took schooling seriously. So, um, you know, I ended up going a different route. Um, and, but I'm happy with what I'm doing. Um, but now I have an opportunity to still do that sports portion. So it, it's, it's definitely opened some doors for me and created things that I didn't think were possible, um, you know, years, a couple years ago. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, I, I second you on that one, man. And the creative freedom that you have too, because, you know, yeah, exactly. doing the podcast, free advertising. It's your, yep. Free advertising. It's your podcast. You do it how you want to. You don't have to put up with anybody's BS. You don't have to work for a station manager or an editor that just, you know, I mean, I'm sure you, you, you know, you have some kind of a, you know, a little bit of a of a give and take with uh, Joe Caporso yeah, and course. some of the guys that you know, of course, and, and anywhere you do any any network you're a part of. But for the most part, you you have you have the freedom to do the show how you want to. Um, you name it what you want to. You can do it how you want to, when you want to, how you want to, and that's just so free. You know, as opposed to being a, a guy that's on WFAN, you know, in New York, obviously, or or out here on ESPN. I, I, I even forget the damn name of this radio station out here. That's how little I listen to it. But you know, I mean, just that freeing nature of it. Like me, like I do my podcast. I do it when I want to, I interview who I want to. And it's so freeing. I don't answer to anybody. And, and that's the, that's just the, that's the, when everybody asks me about a podcast, like that's the most amazing thing about it. The, the creative freedom that you have to just express yourself and do what you like to do. And I mean, I still listen to the, I always will listen to New York sports radio, but you know, the podcast yeah, yeah, has, has really changed things for me because I mean, even, I mean, not only do I obviously do podcasts, but I listen to so many. I mean, there's so many podcasts that are like 30 to 40 minutes of content and you get what you need, whether it's sports, comic books, movies, you know, whatever it may be. So, and it's just, it's always a different perspective. It's not always, you know, on sports radio, you've got the hosts that are there every day, at least with podcasts. Yeah, it might be the same host, but the content's not always the same. Content's different. So, and, it's, it, it's and they're just, two different mediums, you know, and for me. Like, they're just two different mediums. Like, to me, yeah, I look absolutely. at... Yeah, to me, I look at sports radio like the news. Like it's just like your day. Like it's like turning on ABC News and you know seeing the headlines of the day, and that's where I and that's how I consume it. But a podcast is more like a TV show that you you engross yourself with and you and you support and you you know it's like watching The Office or you know following Game of Thrones or whatever. It's like it's a different format to me. I hate when people try to compare the two because they're kind of different in a lot of ways. And, and oh, they're definitely different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And, and and you brought up something interesting too when you were mentioning kind of the you know the the rise in comic book culture and the nerd culture really. Don't you think it's fascinating? Like because we're not, you know it's amazing. I didn't even know you were thirty two, so we're the, we're the same age, literally coming up, okay. same time. And don't you think it's fascinating? Like when we were both kids, like you know, even though like we like these things, you kind of had to keep those things kind of under wraps because, you know, it's like you couldn't tell people you were a comic book fan or that you still like wrestling or whatever. Like, and now like nerd culture is the culture. You know what I mean? It's about a part, it's yeah, a part it, of pop culture. It, 
Like, and you want to know what though? I, I feel like I appreciate it way more now, obviously, because I'm an adult than I did as a kid anyways. So it's just, it's just such a cool thing that like, and that's the thing, like I, there's people who obviously follow me for my Jets content and they, you know, when I, I still watch wrestling to this day, nonstop. Yeah. And I tweet about it and people are like, oh, you know, it's fake or, oh, you, why are you, Don't you hate that? Like, like, it's like, <sighs> I always tell people you like what you like. If you don't like the content that I'm providing you, you do not have to follow me. That's the, that's the beauty of social media. I mean, I understand that you're following me for your Jets content. I appreciate that. But this is my timeline. This is what I do. My thing, my Twitter is all full of my interests. And it's just, it blows my mind when people are like, stop talking about that. And I'm like, no. And I'll call people out. Like, if, if you're going to be, if you're going to be an ass like that, I am going to, I'm going to bring you to the timeline. So the other people will go at you instead of me, because it's more fun for me to watch. Well, the other thing about it, too, is you're not a beat writer. You know, it's not like you cover the Jets 24 yeah. hours a day. Like, you host a podcast about the Jets. That's it. Like, and there's only 16 games. Most years, the Jets are not in the playoffs. So it's not like you're tweeting about them late into February. or God forbid they make a Super Bowl, right, in our lifetime. Like, you know, so it's not like you're covering them late into February and March. And it's only so much content. Like, I have other interests. I have another life outside of just what I do, like, I have other things that I'm interested in, God forbid. And like the, the biggest thing that bothers me is when people, well, you know, it's fake, right? You know, wrestling's fake, right? Like, no, no shit. Here I am just thinking all these years, it was just real. You know, all these years I was thinking Papa Shango was just this voodoo man that just came from nowhere. But thanks for reminding me that it's not. Like, shut up. And that's the thing too. It's like, um, I'm, I'm one of the very few people that, that did not watch Game of Thrones in its entirety. I... I started the first season and I watched most of it and then I never kept going with it. And that was just, it was a poor choice by me, but I basically know everything that happened because I, all of my I friends never, watched I it never, and let me know. I never watched it. But I never watched the series episode, thing. so don't forget. Yeah. So here's my thing. Wrestling is fake, but so is your favorite show. Like yes! your favorite show. Oh my has, God. Your, your favorite show has dragons and, and that's cool. I think that stuff is dope, but, but just because that's fake doesn't make, wrestling any different it's a scripted show and that's the stuff i try to tell people it's like it's the same thing and they say no it's not and i'm like you listen you have a closed mind so have a good day but yeah and it's like it's i keep it the same people the same people will follow a a guy dressed as a bat fighting crime like it's it's no different you you know batman's not real right you know it's not a billionaire yeah exactly And and that's the thing, like, I keep it light on my timeline, because as we discussed earlier in regards to social media, there's so much out there and there's so much going on. So I just try to keep it. I just keep it my content. You know, I try to keep it light. I try to keep it happy because there's so many other people out there that do so many other things on social media that I just keep mine to me so that it's just, you know, it's my content. It's, It's what I'm putting out. And and I save all the other stuff for other people because, you know, I feel like I don't want to get in those certain arguments or discussions because it's just you end up going down a rabbit hole and getting stuck in, 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 a, in a cesspool, like I said. So that's why I just keep it light. I keep it sports. I keep it pop culture, um, you know, music, movies, things like that, because I know that, like I said, everybody's viewing so much on uh, on Twitter, on Facebook and a lot of it's terrible. So I want to at least provide people with something that's not terrible. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, no, I feel you definitely, man. And I, I'm, I'm like that to a certain degree. I mean, I, I do fall into the trapping sometimes. And, you know, I talk it, about it's politics. Hard not, it, it's hard it's now, hard too. Not and, to. and it's like, and I tell people all the time, like, when you follow me on social media, you're like, you're following me, the person. Like, like this is who I am. Like, sometimes, and what's going on in my mind. Like, some days I may, you know, something, a news story may happen with Trump. And I'll, I'll talk about it. Because it's just what I naturally would do anyway. Like, it's not any different than who I am in real life. Like, it's not like I'm just creating uh, or stirring things up just to stir them up. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I don't – I'm not that deep into this that I have to stir things up just to get attention. Like, no, I just I, – something is in the news, I talk about it. A school shooting happens or a shooting in general happens, I'm going to talk about it. If, if positive things happen, I'm going to talk about them. And I don't get into arguments with people because I've, I've always long – I've always had this belief. Like, I'm not arguing people that – I, I don't care. I, I don't care to argue with. Like, I don't care about you. So why would I argue? I don't know you. I have no intentions on knowing you. So why would I argue? Why would I care? If you disagree, great. Like you said, don't follow me. It's okay. Hit the yeah. unfollow button. I'll be all right. I'll live. It's okay. And I've had, I've had situations where people I've never interacted with before that don't follow me um, and have never even been in my mentions until the time they are in my mentions. Uh, a couple, maybe about a month or so ago, I had a dude yelling at me because I, I claimed I was the voice of the Jets fan, which never happened. And then he told me that my ego was inflated because I had more <laughs> followers than people I followed. And I'm like, man, that, that's, that's not me. Like, you clearly don't follow me, have never interacted with me. You don't know me. And, and that's the thing. Like, I'm as, me as, like you said, I'm exactly how, how I am on Twitter and how I am on Facebook and whatever else that's exactly who i am like i don't put up a front i've always been real um i've never backed down from anybody i just i keep it real i don't see any reason to put up a facade because it's the internet so like that like it was it caught me so off guard because nobody's ever said that to me and i was like man listen i don't pay attention to my follower account like i don't like and i'm like you're coming at me i've never even discussed it with you and he's like yeah okay man and i'm like Listen, bro. Like, just just go back on to not following me. I don't want to even stand right. like you're interacting with me. It was just. It was know, one of, it was, no, go ahead, my man. Yeah, it was just one of the most one of the weirder interactions I've ever had on Twitter. I was just like, I don't even know why you're coming at me. And he just kept going back to my follower count, and I was like, man, listen, I got like three thousand followers. I ain't nobody. Like, it was just yeah. it was just an odd it was just an odd day. I think he got mad because. I somebody said something about the jerseys or whatever, and I told them they were wrong. And I think that's where it went like haywire. And then he got involved somehow. I don't know, but it was funny. Yeah. I, I laughed it off. Um, he he got really like upset, but that's not my problem. Don't watch me. Watch TV. Right. And it's just like, and like, let's just say that you were that person, right? Like you are that person that just counts your Twitter followers and it's full of yourself or whatever. Like, Okay, like, do you think you're changing anything by coming at me and saying these things? Yeah. Clearly, like, what, what what purpose do you serve here? Like, what point are you trying to make that nobody else hasn't tried to make at some point or another? Like, I just I, I don't understand people on social media. Like, they get hung up on these nonsensical things that don't matter. Like, okay, who cares? Like, if you don't like somebody, just don't follow them. Don't follow. And them. that's the thing is is I wasn't even so. Like I said, that was that was that was water under a bridge for me because it was just a weird, and I had people messaging me like, like, why is he, I was like, I have no clue. You ask him. And then he was, and then people were like defending me and stuff, which 
thank you. I appreciated that, but I didn't need that. Um, but people were, and it was going on in my mentions for like three, four days after the fact. I was like, yo, like one, I don't know why people are like defending me. Thank you again. But like, it was just a weird exchange. Yeah, man, it's it, it happens on Twitter. I've gotten into I've 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 gone down so many rabbit holes on Twitter that I can't even count. So I, I just you know what I, I just leave it. I like when I know that a rabbit hole is starting to form. I just like you know what I'm just gonna I'm out. <laughs> like the like the SpongeBob meme. <laughs> I'm out. Like I'm just gonna, I'm good. Uh, yeah, like I'm course. I'm not even I'm not even bothering because I already know where this is gonna lead. And at the end of the day, you feel so. And when you do fall for it, it's like you feel so miserable at the end of it because it's like, why did I let myself even get involved with this stupidness? Because you yeah. feel like you wasted your time and your brain cells just getting involved in this nonsensical debate and argument with someone yeah. that you don't know, don't care to know, will never know. So it's just yeah, I'm a I, very, I get I'm it. a very I'm a very positive person. Um, it takes a lot for me to like be in a bad mood. Um, I don't have many of them. I'm very thankful for that. Um, so like I said, it, I, I don't let it get to me. I, I laugh it off more than anything, but um, sometimes things catch me off guard and that was one of them. Well, it doesn't take too many things to get you in a bad mood. I'm assuming the, the Mets, Jets, Rangers, they all get you in a bad mood in some, in some sort, right? You, you know, like, I used to get really angry. I mean, I, I still get mad, uh, but nothing like I used to. Uh, I'm kind of numb to to it now. Um, you know, this Mets run uh, has been fun. Uh, it's all in spite of the manager. We've discussed Mickey Calloway, uh, you know, between each other at nauseum. Um, you right. know, they they had that winning streak in spite of him. He's not a good manager. Um, this Mets team is fun, though. Um, you know, I, there's been years where I've hated players on the team. I've hated the manager. I hate. I always hate the owners. Uh, but this year, I I love this team. Um, there's you know there's not really any players on the team that I don't like. I, you know, I can't stand the manager, obviously, like I said. But you know this is fun. Uh, another win. Um, they're three games out of the wild card. What about I think it's nine or ten to play now. Um, so at least at least they're playing meaningful games in, in September for once. Um, you know, and, and then with the Jets, it's, it's like, you know, if, if Donald got hurt, you know, I, I, I would understand it, but he got mono and it's just like, right. like, what is, why is this franchise cursed? And I've had people tell oh, me, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to you. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to it. Trust me. We'll, we'll trust me. The soapbox will be there for you, my friend. It, just, trust me. We'll get, I just, I just wanted to make a quip about being a Met and a Jets fan because I, yeah, I, how did it, we go? How did, how did we do that to each other? It's, well, my, it's funny because so when I was a little kid, I, I liked the color green. It was my favorite color. And my mother took me to air shows um, because near us, there's a, there was an air force base that's out of commission now. Uh, but it was also when I was younger, but they would have air shows there. Um, it's about, you know, 15, 20 minutes from where we are. Uh, and I loved planes. I loved Jets. I thought they were great. So I became a Jets fan. My father is a Giants fan. Um, when I was younger, yeah, when I was younger and I played baseball growing up and I liked baseball, I my father, a Yankee fan, I too was a Yankee fan. One year I decided I wanted to be different. One of my friends was a Mets fan. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be a Mets fan. And I was like eight. You know, that's kind of around the age where, where you, you pick a team and you stick with a team. Um, so I became a Mets fan, and I've been a Mets fan ever since. Um, I've been a Rangers fan my whole life. Um, my college teams 
same thing. But yeah, my father's a Giants fan and a Yankee fan, and, and I'm the opposite. And and I joke with him all the time that you know when I said I was going to be fans of these teams, he should have yelled at me. Um, but you know, here I am. Um, I think it's molded me into who I am. Uh, the you know the the heartbreak, the losing. Um, it's 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 given me you know stronger skin, I guess. Oh yeah, no, it does. It definitely makes you stronger. Of course, I, you're better than me, man, because you said that you don't let the losing bother you anymore, or, or it doesn't get you as mad as it used to. I mean, um, let, let me correct myself. It still gets me mad, but my the way I used to get mad is I'd be mad like when the Jets lose on Sunday, I'd be mad to like Thursday. Now I'm <laughs> usually over it. Now I'm usually over it by like midway Monday, and I'm on. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so I don't, I don't dwell on it. It doesn't ruin my week anymore. Um, but in, in the moment after, like on Sunday, everybody knows they're losing in New England. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be mad right. after that loss. I'm going to be annoyed, especially whatever goes on in the game. But, you know, I expect it. But you know what I mean? Like I said, I don't, I don't let it drag through the week anymore. Yeah, no, I, I'm still that guy that gets upset. Um, well, it depends on the loss. Like it depends. Like if we lose a game that we had no business losing, that's one thing. Like that's the game that like like even with the Browns loss this week, like I, I kind of expected us to lose. I didn't think we were going to lose that bad. I actually thought it would be a close game, and we'll get we'll dissect the game, of course. But like I, I didn't expect it to be that bad, and so I, I'm not as mad about that game as I was the Bills game. Like the first, like week one, that game pissed me off. Like I was mad till Friday. Like and then the, and then and then of course like the the Darnold news after that didn't help either. So like I was just so mad, and so it, it definitely is the type of loss. The loss that you like. How did we lose that game? Those Jetsian and those Metsian type losses, where like only those two franchises can lose those games. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean the the week one game against the Bills makes a little bit more sense now to us because we didn't think Darnold or the offense looked good, and yeah. I mean now we know that dude was sick and he barely slept the night before. So there's some context to that. And I've seen a lot of fans are like getting on Gates for his play call. I mean, we're two games into the season and he hasn't had his starting quarterback at a hundred percent. So I'm going to wait to see how this team looks with Darnold and healthy um, before I start, you know, freaking out about things. The bills loss obviously was terrible. Um, you know, CJ mostly went out, the game changed. Um, mm -hmm. The Brown game, um, you know, we ended up having to play our third string quarterback um, and one blown coverage that led to a deep back, uh, a slant Beckham touchdown that he took to the house for 89 yards. Um, you know, if we could, if we had our team at hundred percent, there's no doubt in my mind, the Jets would have won that game and they should be two and oh. So, um, you know, series of unfortunate events for them to start the season. Uh, just got to, you know, get through this New England game, go into that early bye, which I was annoyed about, but now we need it more than ever uh, right. to, you know, get this team healthy uh, and, and go into the easier part of our schedule. So, uh, you know, I'm not a person who believes, and everybody, this is why, you know, everybody gets excited for the schedule to come out so they can make schedule predictions, but I hate those. I never make them yeah, I make because, of, yeah. because of this simple reason. Like the Jets are playing their third quarterback I mean, you look at teams like Breeze is out. Um, Roethlisberger is done for the year. People may pick, pick Roethlisberger and the Steelers to, you know, obviously go to the playoffs and probably the AFC Championship game. And that's not happening now. So, you know, injuries derail seasons, and, and hopefully the Jets can turn it around once Darnold comes back and is 100%. 
Yeah, and the other thing about it too with the schedule, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up with the schedules and and, and schedule release parties and all this all this hoopla that goes around schedules. And I'm just kind of like, man, like when do the schedules come out? What May? Sometimes like late April, May. Like it's after the draft, right? A little bit before the draft. It's after the. It's either I think it's either a week before or a week after the draft. Like I said, I don't. I don't get into it. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't get excited about it either, bro. I I really schedule comes out. No, what I tell people all the time is that um, the, the schedule's out. These teams aren't even fully formed. Like, you don't know what the Jets are in April. You don't know what the Falcons exactly. are in April. You don't know what the, the Cowboys are. Like, we have ideas. You know, we have you know we have a good forecast of what they can be. You know, a lot of teams can be a lot of things. And they can also – in either direction, you know what I mean? But we don't know what these teams are. So I never get excited. I never, I, I've never understood – you know, breaking down the schedule like the Zapruder film. Like I just never yeah. like, oh well, we're gonna go nine and seven because of this. Like, how do you know? How do we know? Yep. How do we know? I look at it the day it's released, and then I don't look at it again. I just say, yeah, okay, too, what 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 game may I go to? Who are we playing week one? That's all I care mm-hmm. about. I don't, and then I don't look right. at it again, and then I I'll look at it during the season to see who's on the next. It's irrelevant to me because, like I said, you have to play who's on your schedule, anyways. And whoever's on your schedule probably isn't going to look how they looked when the season started, anyways. Exactly. Yeah. So it's always it's always a, a an effort in you know in stupidity to me to to try to dissect the schedule in late May and like oh the Jets are gonna they've got four wins at home coming because they're playing these. I mean, like who knows? Who knows? And plus, you don't. That's not counting the games that they lose that they should win, the games that they win that they should have lost. I mean, it's just it's so. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you 100, percent man. So you're a Jets fan, and you yep. you you've. Dis- You've described to us how you became a Jet fan. How have you lasted so long with this this franchise being so inept, inventing ways how to be inept and dysfunctional and just bad at football? Like, how have you la- – like, give advice to, like, a Jet fan out there, like myself maybe – that that is at at their wits end that just cannot continue to 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 tolerate you know 25 30 plus years of bad jets football i mean the the best way to describe it is is in wrestling terms i guess it's kind of become a gimmick for me if you will like everybody Mm -hmm. who knows me whether it be someone who's close to me or someone who i went to school with um that i haven't seen in years or you know just even people i don't know but know me through somebody else they associate the jets with me like that's right. the one main thing that they associate with me um so i mean maybe gimmick isn't the best word but it's the best word that i can think of to to use to describe it um and like i said you know because of that everybody knows what i associate myself with so it's kind of just made me a stronger more pa- more passionate fan because like i said people see me and I'll see somebody that I went to high school with and they'll be like, Oh, you know, what do you think about the Jets? That's the first thing they'll say to me. Not how have you been these last 10 years? You know what I mean? The first right, thing they'll right, ask right. is about the Jets because that's what everybody associates with me. So um, it's molded me into, into a diehard and it, it is very difficult. And, and I tell myself that, you know what, if, if there's a day that comes in my lifetime that they, they do hold up that Lombardi trophy, it is going to be one of the greatest feelings in the world because I've been a fan, obviously, 
And, and everybody likes to say, well, I've been a fan since 1972. And, and that's cool. I wasn't born then. I was born in 1987. I've been a fan since about 94 or 95. You know what I mean? Like, so just because I'm not in it as long as you, I'm just as passionate as you. And, you know, right. I, I, it's gotten to the point where obviously you get older and you, like I said, if, when I was, when I was about eight years old, I switched from the Yankees to the Mets. Huge mistake. Um, you know, there are times I throw out the joke <laughs> yes, out there that, that I wish I wish I was ten, so I could you know change my mind and pick a different team. But you know, I, I I've turned into you know, like I said, it, it's a, it's it's my gimmick, if you will. It's what people associate with me, and I'm proud of that. It, it's it, it's a brand of mine. I don't like I said, you know, people see me. That's the first thing they ask me. So I'm glad to associate myself with that. Uh, I'm glad that that's my team. Um, I'm glad that, you know, I'm, I'm passionate enough and it, it brings out, you know, an opportunity for me to go on different podcasts and have my own podcast and be a part of a, a digital network and, and just, you know, talk about the team and, and be associated with that. I mean, if I don't, uh, you know, people listening, um, if you remember when it was, uh, you know, I was very vocal. I know that we just started following each other recently, but um, over the years past, I don't know. I've been on Twitter since 09. Maybe that entire time, I've always been an advocate for uh, a jersey rebrand for the Jets. Um, I hated when they went away from the old logo to these new jerseys for 20 years. Um, I was very vocal in that and wanted a change. And 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 shockingly enough, the franchise actually knew that. Um, you know, it was it was brought to my attention that they were aware. Um, and, you know, the night that the jerseys were released, they tweeted me and asked me if I was happy with that. And I thought that was one of the coolest things ever. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. Um, and it was, yeah. they reached out oh. to me. You know, it was, it was, it was a really cool experience. I mean, they've wished me happy birthday and stuff before. And, and that's cool. But, um, you know, them just tweeting me the night that the jerseys released. And it literally was just a simple tweet of you good. And it was just, it was just like a feeling of validation. It was just, it was a cool feeling. Um, you know, something that I wanted the team to do for a really long time. And, and it was finally here. And, and, you know, like I said, that's another part of the gimmick. Like, like I believe that this team needed new jerseys. And after 20 years, they finally got them. You brought up two interesting things there. And we'll get to the jerseys in a second because we're actually on opposite ends with the jerseys. I, I, I hate the new jerseys, but we'll get into that. But um, Oh, boy. Yeah, we'll, 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 well, that's going to be a fun debate. But um, you, you brought up something interesting there. Um, it is a little bit of a badge of honor and a gimmick that sticks with you when you root for kind of a forlorn franchise, like, you know, cause people are like, I, I like, so quick insight about me. Like I root for the Lakers in basketball. Nobody cares if you root for the Lakers. It's like, Oh, okay. You root for the Lakers. Like, okay. Most of the time they think you're a bandwagon Laker fan than a real Laker fan. Or, well, yeah. You that is very true. Yeah. Well, like where you root for the Cowboys or you root for kind of like that national big brand or whatever. But when you are a Jets fan, like there's literally to, like literally this week at work, this lady that I work with, you know, I just doing my runs in the office or whatever. And, and she's like, hey, I, I you know, I, I saw your Jets were getting were losing on Monday Night Football. And I felt so bad for you watching it at home. I'm like, what? This is random, random, just, you know, quip about the Jets. And like she instantly thought about me being a Jets fan. And that's, so that, that, and that's, yeah, that's exactly how it is for me. That's, yeah. that's when I go back to like, like there's people at work that I'll see in the office because my, my building is very big. It's a, it's a big company. Um, and you know, I'll see somebody and you know, I'll have a polo on or whatever. And they're like, Oh, you know, I saw you a Jets fan and I saw the game and I don't even know that, but you know what I mean? So <laughs> just how you said it, 
it's just it's something that is is attached to me and it, it will be forever yeah man absolutely and and you do gain a lot of respect from people i mean people make fun of you of course and they laugh at you especially your friends nobody's more brutal than you than your than your non-jet fans of course than your non-jet friends jet fan friends or whatever so um they're brutal sometimes but no you, you do gain some respect and as like i tell people all the time i'm like if you can root for this franchise then you can root for anything you can you can believe in anything you 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 have you have the will of 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 a god if you can support this franchise and been a part of this franchise for so long and then how do you and what's worse being a met fan or a jet fan i always i always like this perspective from another perspective because i I may have a different answer to you what's worse being a Mets fan or a jet honestly i'm gonna say being a mets fan um because absolutely the the owners operate like they're in a small market and they're allowed to get away with it. I remember a couple of years ago, there was an issue with the Dodgers and Major League Baseball forced them to sell the team. Why hasn't this happened mm-hmm. with the Mets? Um, this team right now, this young core is fun and exciting. And I don't know I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. And if they do, I don't know what kind of run they're going to make. But I can't sit here and see this young core and get excited and think that they're going to do something in, in the winter. Um, at least with the Jets, and I am not a big fan of Woody Johnson. I am a fan of Christopher Johnson. I do like some of the things he take, he's done since he's taken over, air quotes. But you really don't know if Woody's still calling shots from where he is. So that's neither here nor there. But at least the Jets, um, they make the opportunities to improve this team. I mean, yes, in 2009 and in 2010, they made the runs to the AFC Championship games. But this team has always tried to make a move to make this franchise better. Now, do do they lose more than they win? Yes, but I mean, let's be realistic. We know we're in a rebuild, and in year one of the rebuild, we got a new general manager, we got Le'Veon Bell, and we have C.J. Mosley. So, you know, they're on the trend up, and I always say this with the Jets. They're always trying to improve. Like, when they went and got Santonio Holmes, mm-hmm. and they went and got Braylon Edwards. With the Mets, they're always looking to improve, but with Band-Aids. They went and got an old Cano. You know what I mean? They went and signed Jed Lowry, who missed 96% of the season. Instead of, you know, going out and getting, you know, talented players that are younger and can be here and contribute. So with the Mets, I don't trust them. I don't trust the owners. I don't trust them to, you know, they make this run and, yay, okay, they make the playoffs. All right, well, what are you going to do in the winter? How are you going to, how are you going to advance this franchise from the year they built on with guys like McNeil and Pete Alonzo? and Conforto, and Rosario. Like, what are you going to add to that? Because that's a great young core that you should win a World Series within the next five years. But what are you going to do to build around that? I don't trust them. And and I didn't even talk about the pitching because the pitching has been great since the All-Star break, but I don't trust them to add, add a third baseman. I don't trust them to, you know, add another outfield bat. I just don't because they haven't shown me that I should. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm with you, man. You're preaching to the choir. I, all I can do is listen and applaud because it's. it's I agree with you, man. I, I think it's. I've always, I've always been a little taken aback by the hate that the Johnson brothers get um, because I, I've never. I don't love them, but I don't dislike them or I don't hate them. Well, and, I'll take that back. And, and, I won't say I dislike them. It's just that when when Woody would speak in the media, he he's not a he's not a football guy. But he yeah, and that's what, yeah, football, exactly. and he comes off as as no, I can't think of any better word. But he comes off as a moron. 
it, it's one thing if you know what you're talking about, but when people can tell you don't and, and you're running the franchise that, that I root for, it's, it just comes off poor. And, it just comes and that's off always bad been Woody's way. issue. That's always been yeah. Woody's issue. Right. No, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, they're not football people. They're like the Johnson family. They, they didn't no. make their money from football. They, they obviously the Johnson Johnson wealth. So they didn't. They're not a football family. So Woody Johnson doesn't know football. I, and, I, and I've always, I've never like held that against so, because there's a lot of owners that are successful. Well, I don't like I said. I don't expect, but at least hire somebody who that does, informs exactly. you so that you. Right. So when you speak or what you're saying in the media. It doesn't look like you have no clue what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Now that's a, that's, that has been my biggest gripe with them, but I, I've never felt like they were, like they weren't trying to win. And that, and that is a good point. No, like, I no, never. I've never, never in my life, yeah. never, never since they've owned the team. And I've been a fan of, I thought that, that they, that they weren't trying to their best to make this franchise win, even though we haven't seen it. They're, they, they're definitely always trying. Yeah, the Wilpons, I agree with you. It's a totally different. Uh, it's a totally different story, and I feel like they get a lot of pass from people, even in New York. Even the media in New York sometimes gives them a pass. Like you know, oh well, they you know they they they've done they've had moments where they spent money, but ever since, but but let's take everything pre Madoff. Like I almost feel like you have to do away with everything pre Madoff. Like everything post Madoff, the Wilpons have been a joke. They've been terrible. Yes. Like I, I can't, I can't, I can't reflect on back in 05 when they spent money. Yeah. That, I mean, 2005 was what? Almost 15 years ago now at this point. Like what have they done since 2009, since the Bernie Madoff scandal? They've done nothing. They've done nothing. They've done incremental parts. Yes. They've spent on, on Cespedes. You know, yes, they've done some things, but for the most part, the grand totality, they've been in a disastrous ownership group. And and people, you know, and always people always bring up '86. You know, Nelson Doubleday. A lot of people give the Mets '80s run more more credit to Nelson Doubleday than they do to even Wilpon. Yeah, you know, people Absolutely. forget that. Like but, people don't people don't people don't bring that up. No, they don't. And and the thing is, is like I know the 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 radio is hard on them, but like the beat writers themselves, they don't ask they don't ask the questions that need to be asked. I wish that the Mets and the Jets beat writers could switch because at least, you yeah. know, the Jets beat writers, while a lot of people dislike them and a lot of people don't like what they do, they're doing their job the best of their abilities, in my opinion, because they're giving you everything. And the Mets beat writers don't ask the questions that need to be asked. They ignore everything that needs to be ignored. And it just goes on like everything's fine. And it's, I've never, I mean, I don't follow other baseball teams, beat writers, and I don't follow many NFL writers, but I know how the Mets and the Jets writers are, and they're two totally opposite ends of the spectrum. It feels like the Mets beat writers almost kind of like look down at the Met fan base. Like they almost think like they're better oh, yeah. than the Met fan base. They while do. the Jet fan, like while the Jet beat writers feel like they're in tune with the Jet fan, like they kind of understand the Jet fan. They say, "Okay, I, well, we get it." Like, yeah, it's I, 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 it's a totally different. I can 100% confirm that the Jets beat writers do think that they, they are definitely in tune with the, with the fan base. Um, I've talked to a few of them um, and, and they definitely, they definitely know the pulse of Jets Twitter. Um, and they definitely, you know, they, they, they talk about it and joke about it. I, I can confirm that for sure. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's just clear. It's clear in how they cover the team. It's clear how they ask the questions and how they write things. I mean, it's just, it's clear. You can tell. But the Mets beat writers, and say not all of them. Some of them are really good, and, and, and some of them are what they are. Like, um, you know, one of the guys that I, I really still love and I've always loved is Eddie Coleman. I think Eddie Coleman is probably the best of the of the bunch of covering the Mets on a daily basis because he keeps it honest. Like, he's he, he, he follows the team. He's followed them forever, and he understands, I think, the fan base. Some other guys? I mean, not not to get into names, but that's some other guys. You're just like, are you are you watching the same thing that I'm watching? Are you following the team that I'm watching? Because clearly, we're at a disagreement here. Clearly, we're like in totally opposite scopes of of what we're watching. Yeah. So no, I, I, I totally get it, man. I absolutely get it. But um, let, let's just get into this Jet season first of all. Um, uh, you know, where were you with the coaching hire? Because I. And I, and and you mentioned you mentioned Adam Gase and Adam Gase getting criticism. I, I think a lot of that has to do with I think people didn't want Adam Gase to begin with. Where were you with the coaching hire? Because I felt like this was the most important coaching hire in in twenty years. I thought this was the most important coaching hire the Mets, the Jet, the, the Mets, the Jets had to make since Parcell. And yep. I thought they struck out badly. I really do. Like I, first of all, get into what your what your initial what you thought of the coaching hire and who initially were was was the guy that you were after. So I obviously was obsessed obsessed with Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I thought what really? he could bring to the league. Yeah, I thought what he could bring to the league. The league's really going towards that air raid offense. Um, I mean, you see it with Mahomes. Um, you see it with McVeigh and and Goff and in LA with the Rams. Um, you kind of see it with Lamar now and the Ravens who's, who's balling right now. And I thought that him with Sam's skill set could have really set the league on fire. Um, but obviously that didn't happen. Um, I did not want Gase to get the job, but if it was between Gase and McCarthy, I did want it to be Gase. I think, really? McCarthy wow. is, I think, I think McCarthy is stubborn. Um, I think that he had one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game and failed to do anything with him. Um, I just thought that, that McCarthy, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Like, that's I understand, it. like, yes, it's a Super Bowl. I understand, but it's one and how long ago was it? Um, his, his offense got very predictable and very stale. And him and Rodgers didn't get along because Rodgers wanted to call certain plays and he wanted to call other plays. So I just, I knew McCarthy wouldn't have been a good fit here. There was rumors that he wanted to spend most of his time at home and, and do game planning there. Um, so I didn't think McCarthy was a fit here. So if it was between those two, I, that's why I would have been okay with Gase. Um, through the summer, um, Gase really grew on me by the things he was saying, by what we were hearing about Sam and camp, what we saw from Sam in preseason games. Um, so I, I, I want to like him because I kind of like his no-nonsense attitude. Um, I wanted an offensive coach regardless of who the hire was because obviously with Sam Darnold, uh, the last thing that we needed was to hire another defensive coach. Um, I do think people need to step back a little bit and stop overreacting about week one and week two. Again, we know that Sam Darnold was playing with Mono in week one, and clearly he wasn't feeling well, and clearly he let the coaching staff know that he was not feeling well. And that's why we kind of saw, you know, a poor, I don't want to say a poor game plan, but poor play calling because, you know, they, they didn't have their full arsenal, you know, and then you go to week two and you're playing Trevor Simeon. I mean, what plays are you really going to call for Trevor Simeon? You know what I mean? And now we've got Luke Falk. So 
And now they have a week to prepare for Luke Falk, so maybe they'll try some different things. But I'm not going to judge Adam Gase's tenure off two games where he's had his starting quarterback for one game, and he was at about maybe 50%. Um, I'm interested to see when Darnold comes back, you know, them open up the playbook more and where this offense can go, because uh, I'm not going to overreact over two games. Um, you know, Darnold is hopefully going to be back after the bye week, and then we'll kind of see, you know, maybe, you know, we'll see the offense that we expected. No, I mean, you, you make some, some really good points. The only thing I disagree with you is McCarthy. Um, I, I, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and say McCarthy's uh, Belichick, but I do think the guy's getting a raw deal. He did win a Super Bowl. He went, made nine playoff appearances. Okay, you want to say that a lot of that was, was Aaron Rodgers? Okay, we all know that, but the fact of the matter is he gets the credit for it. He gets the credit, too. Um, I, I, I didn't like Adam Gase. I, I'll be honest. I just, I'd never looked at Adam Gase in Miami. I thought he was a big time coach. Um, he was an, I, I'll say this. He was an improvement over Todd Bowles. I mean, I'm an improvement over Todd Bowles as a head coach. So th- that, that's not saying much. That being said, I just, I never loved the hire. I just kind of felt like it was a meh hire. Like I, 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 I never wanted Cliff Kingsbury here. I saw Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. I was never impressed. He's the offenses are great. You know, he looks like a supermodel. Great. He, his offenses are great, but I never thought I never thought he was a big time coach. And I mean, when you get fired for and a losing record at Texas Tech, uh, that, that's yeah, that's rough. A, that's lot, a, rough of, a lot of things. I, 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 I mean, know. I know. Found, I, 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 I look at yeah, the, no, I, I look I, the quarterback he found and and he developed. And in the Big Twelve, defenses are bad. It's hard to recruit at a school like Texas Tech. But my thing with McCarthy was, as well, is if, if he was such a good coach and if he was what where this league should be for offenses, why was nobody interested? No, I you think that I mean? article. I think that article um, from Bleacher Report. Um, I, I think that was a hit job, man. I really do. Like, I think he was sandbagged, bro. Like, I and again, I'm not like the biggest McCarthy fan. Like, I see some flaws in McCarthy. I'm not going to sit here and show for McCarthy. Like, I think there's some 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 flaws in him. I do think he's a solid coach. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's just trash and he should never get another job again. Like some oh, people act like he absolutely he will get a job next. <laughs> And, and, and the other thing about it too is like some people the way they did talk about Madam McCarthy. I mean, you you would have thought that McCarthy was basically uh, you know Ben McAdoo. I'm like, geez, the guy's the guy did win a Super Bowl. Okay, you want to tell me it was nine, ten years ago? Okay, but he did win the Super Bowl. Um, look, I, I thought the article in Bleacher Report did him no favors. I, I think a lot of people were kind of scared off by that. I also I also think that the league is a copycat league, and I think a lot of people were on the let's find the Sean McVay, the next Sean McVay train. So I think that was the flavor of the of the month last offseason. So I think a lot of people were just trying to find the next Sean McVay that I think a guy like McCarthy just didn't fit. Um, and those things are cyclical. They'll come back around. Um, you know, like you said, next offseason, he'll he'll be one of the candidates for a job opening, uh, obviously. But I mean, I, it wasn't like to me, the guy that I wanted and you'll probably think I'm crazy. You know, let's see. But the guy I initially wanted was I was like, I don't care. I don't care how big of a check you got to write. Go get Jim Harbaugh from, from Michigan. That was the guy that I initially wanted. I think I think Harbaugh is a better NFL coach than he is a college coach myself. Um I wanted Jim Harbaugh or somebody like Jim Harbaugh, or I was hoping that the Ravens somehow were stupid and let John Harbaugh go so they could snatch him up. Obviously we didn't get either of those, but that's the type of coach that I wanted in here with this young quarterback. 
And the guy that we got, Adam Gase, I mean, you know, and you heard all the stories about him in Miami. I just, I just wasn't impressed with him. I agree with you. We got to give him some time. I mean, to, get, to judge a guy's coaching tenure off of two games, two games that we didn't even, essentially, essentially, didn't even have a starting quarterback. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which it's, I, it's a little the crazy rough. stat is he's coached, I believe it's a hundred games in the NFL, and he's had his starting quarterback. No wait, is it fifty games? I forgot the actual number, but he's had a backup quarterback starting for twenty five of uh, twenty five of fifty games. That's what the number is, and that's just insane when you really think about that. His coaching tenure, he's had a backup quarterback for twenty five of his fifty coached games. It might be fifty one games now because of um, you know uh, Monday night, but I mean right, that's, right. that's crazy to think of too. So I'm not trying to make excuses for him. Um, I like I said, I need to see what he does with Sam. Um, and, and in regards to the Jim Harbaugh thing, being a Michigan fan, um, he has done nothing at Michigan and this is going on year five. Um, the offense is, is, is not, it's, it's not 1985 anymore. Um, there's a lot of running, uh, a lot of, a lot of halfback, uh, halfback dives, nothing innovative. We hired a new offensive coordinator this year. Uh, we were supposed to have a spread offense, and they're talking about all this speed and space. Uh, we haven't seen it through the first two games. Um, would I have liked Harbaugh here? No, only because, like I say, you know, I have a rooting interest in Michigan. I wouldn't want him to leave because I don't know who the hell we'd hire. Uh, but I did. I would have really liked John Harbaugh. Like, if we had a shot at John, that would have been my choice over anybody. But, unfortunately, he, he didn't shake free from Baltimore, and that was a smart move by them. Um, you know, they're, yeah, they're really doing cool. they're doing good things. I mean, he's a hell of a coach. Um, but, you know, with Harbaugh, like you said, you, he might be a better NFL coach. Um, but what he's done at Michigan is, is it, it's shocking to me what he hasn't done. I mean, Harbaugh came back to Michigan. I mean, I thought, honest to God, I when we hired him, I thought we'd have a national championship by now. And we don't even have a Big Ten championship. So... No, I, I agree, man. I, I it's it's. I've been disappointed in Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan. Uh, I, I think the biggest. Just think problem how is, I feel. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I know, but um, no, I think the biggest problem with you guys is Shea Patterson. I just don't think he's that good. I I, never I, I don't either. I was, he was a top quarterback when he came out, a five star recruit. When we when he I transferred, know. I was like, I was so excited, and he has just not been good. And and I know that, you know, it comes down to the quarterback, but, you know, all I hear is, you know, Harbaugh's got to get his guy. Harbaugh's got to get his guy. Well, when's that going to happen? I, Dylan McCaffrey, the backup, I think should be the starting quarterback. I think he should be playing. I agree. I think, I think he's better than Patterson, but and that's, that's a kid that Harbaugh recruited, so let's see him. Um, you know, I can't hear that Harbaugh's this quarterback guru and quarterback whisperer, and we haven't won a Big Ten championship yet. I just can't hear it anymore. No, I, I agree. We could listen, we could do a whole another podcast on just Michigan alone. <laughs> trust me, we won't get. We'll get. I, I can see the. I can see the anger just flowing right now. But um, <laughs> no, I no, I, I just I just wanted that level of a coach coaching Sam Darnold, and and I just you know I, look, I, I was intrigued like anybody about Cliff Kingsbury, but I didn't. I don't know. I'm, I'm still not sold on Kingsbury as an NFL coach. But we'll see. Time will tell. Um, I, but yeah, Gaze, I just. The only thing that I have an issue with Gase is if he's supposed to be this offensive guru, this this quarterback genius, I'm like, I just haven't liked his play calling over the first two weeks of the season. I just even some of the plays that they've ran, I'm just like, they haven't been very imaginative.
argumentative. I know that he hasn't had Sam. I get that. I understand that. But if you're supposed to be this like offensive guru, you know, the guy that comes recommended by Peyton Manning, like, can I see a little bit more innovation? Can I see a little bit more of a of a, a, a of a wrinkle in the offense? It just, I, I I have not been impressed. Again, not enough to fire the guy, but I have not been impressed over the first two weeks. And and I do agree with that. But when I when I'm looking at it, and I like I said. Week one, he had Sam, but, but maybe they knew the underlying factor that he wasn't feeling well, and they were just trying to do enough to win the game, which right. they had in hand until the defense blew. And then for yes. week two, I mean, in all seriousness, Trevor Simeon is not a good quarterback. And no. he's a good backup quarterback, but he's not a quarterback that's going to go in and, 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 and make take your team to the playoffs. So I think he knew that in a short week and – you know, they started the game, but we didn't even get to see the full game plan because how quickly he got hurt. So I I think he was trying to protect the backup quarterback and, and try to get him in a rhythm, and, and then he got taken out. And so, like I said, while I'm not making excuses, I don't think that we're allowed to have seen a full game plan yet because Sam was sick and Trevor Simeon had to get in a rhythm. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Luke Falk on Sunday. Um, I, I want them to just go five wide and throw the ball all over the yard all day because why not? You're a you're a 23 point underdog in a game against the team. You're going to New England, which you haven't scored a touchdown since 2015. So just go there and 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 throw it around the yard. Who cares? You know, I mean, it's not like Luke Falk is going to be the starting quarterback going forward. He's he's only there until Sam comes back. Um, so let him throw it around the yard and have some fun and. And you never know. Maybe you'll score some points there and keep it close. No, I'm with you on that. Yeah, he, he does need to open up the offense a little bit this weekend. And, and look, I, I will say this. Um, Luke Falk looked good on Monday night he for did. a little bit of opportunity. He did. Yeah, he actually looked okay. For being on the practice squad seven days before and not expecting to get into a game. I mean, he, I, I think he was 21 to 28 for like 260 yards. I mean, if you're telling me a third-string quarterback is going to come in and do something like that on Monday Night Football, I wouldn't believe you. I would definitely, I was definitely with expecting that him to make bad throws. That yeah, exactly. I was yeah. expecting him to at least throw an interception or two. Didn't happen. I mean, he didn't throw a touchdown, but I mean, he finally got into a rhythm after halftime. So I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, how he plays this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I was really intrigued, and I was really impressed with how he played and how composed he was too. He looked better than Trevor Simeon's ever looked. I, I'll say that. Um, no, I, I was really impressed with Luke. I mean, I, I brought it up this, this line because I think this is the biggest issue right now with this team is this offensive line. I mean, uh, Kelvin Beecham, God bless him. He's a good guy, really is. I mean, a guy that you, you'd want your daughter to date. Everything you read, you hear, obviously, NFL Man of the Year candidate. I mean. Th- He's not a starting left tackle in this league anymore. I mean, Kelvin. Not Beecham, anymore. That, nope. that, was, that was the worst offensive lineman performance I have ever seen. And I've been watching the Jets since 1993. And I have never seen an offensive lineman just get abused like Kelvin Beecham got by 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 Miles Garrett. I mean, it just it just was it wasn't even fair. It wasn't even fair. I mean, he just got destroyed. This offensive line is the issue right now with the Jets. I know the secondary has had some problems. Thank God they finally benched Tremaine. But this line right now, and and because this is going to be a longstanding issue, and this is another thing that worries me when Sam Darnold comes back, is this line. Can they protect them? I mean, Khalil looks shot. He just looks shot. He looks done. I think we see the reason why he was retired. Um, 
Winters, I've never been a fan of Winters. He's had his moments, but I've never been a huge fan of Winters. Uh, yeah, I just I, this line right now. I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts? How can they can they can they get any better? Can they get any worse? Honestly. Well, again, we have to go back to you know they had no preseason together. They re- they did it. They had no preseason snaps together, and offensive lines need time to gel, and they haven't gelled yet. Um, they have been bad. Uh, the only positive with Sam, and obviously this line is has looked bad. And Sam is mobile, and he can move around, and he can throw on the run where he is very successful. I don't want him having to do that all the time. But I think right. that, you know, with the with the bye week and Sam coming back, I think they have an opportunity to turn it around. And they don't need to be great. They don't need to be amazing. They just need to be good. If they can be good and allow Sam time, then that's all they, that's all they need to do. But what they did on Monday night um, – you know, was, was atrocious. I mean, and not even just beat them struggled. Everybody struggled. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the, Browns were doing, the, the Browns weren't doing anything special and, and they were getting oh. a, a consistent pressure um, on the quarterback. So, I mean, it all, it's all going to come down to, you know, if, if they can gel and turn it around, I hope obviously that they can. Um, but I mean, I don't think we're going to really know until we get to week five against, against the Eagles after the bye week. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. We got to give them a little bit of time, but I mean, I just and forget just being good, just being competent. I mean, for, through the first two yeah. weeks of the season, right now, they just haven't even been competent. I mean, they haven't even been competitive. Absolutely. I mean, the Bills just were in Sam Darnold's face the entire game. I mean, and and look, nobody's going to confuse the Bills defense with the '85 Bears by any stretch. Um, so yeah, I just I, I'm I'm a little concerned about this offensive line. It sounds like you're a little bit more positive on them than I am. I'm I'm oh, really no, concerned. I'm- I don't know. I'm concerned, but I just think that, you know, like I said, they haven't had that time to gel and I'm hoping that, you know, but, but but it is a huge concern. It's more of a concern than the quarterback position was for me because going into the season, I thought the quarterback position was going to be, was going to cost the Jets a game, which it, it did in week one, uh, week two, when Tremaine was benched, they played a hell of a lot better other than the blown coverage on Odell Beckham. So I think the secondary is going to start playing better. And now the offensive line needs to kind of do that too. So I don't know if they're going to change anything up on the line. I guess we'll see on Sunday. Um, but they've got to figure this out because, you know, we don't want them getting Sam hurt uh, any more than he needs to be. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, I'm honestly, I actually think the line is a little bit more concerned for me than the secondary. Not by much. I mean, we're 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 debating between piss and shit right now at this point. But um, exactly, it's, it's it's yeah. The line is a little bit. I I just been a little bit more alarmed at how bad the line has been than than the secondary. I mean, the secndary I always had question oh, absolutely. marks about. I mean, how and how big of a dog is Tremaine Johnson? I mean, that dude. Oh my god. I mean, talk about a waste of seventy two or 73 however much they paid him 70 something million dollars i mean what a fucking waste tremaine johnson uh, it, jesus christ it, it's just you know it's another one of the uh, bad moves by the previous general manager i'm not even going to say his name because it's nauseating at this point but uh i mean in all seriousness though if if it wasn't the jets who were going to pay him, it was going to be somebody else somebody was going to pay him I, I I mean, nobody saw this kind of rapid fall off, but I mean, it's just been, it's just been terrible. I mean, from missing meetings and stuff last year, uh, playing poorly. I mean, here we are. I mean, so I don't know. The Gates said he had a good week of practice, but I don't think that's going to change anything. 
Uh, Harrison played well last week as well as Daryl Roberts. Uh, Poole has been the best defensive, the best quarterback, and he's a nickel guy. So right. it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they're going to do going forward. The one thing that I will say that I really do like about this coaching staff is it seems like they're not going to just sit there and sit on their hands. They're they're going to hold players accountable. They're going to make moves that are best possibly for the team. What uh, benching Tremaine Johnson. So. Hopefully that becomes kind of the norm and players realize that and and that kind of boosts the play level as well. You're absolutely right about that. That's one of the things that frustrated me to no end with uh, Todd Bowles and the Todd Bowles regime. And even to Rex, even, even with Rex to a certain extent, you know, it's just a lack of Rex like guys, Rex like guys do whatever they wanted. But I mean, we were, we were winning and I was actually shocked that that Bowles was the way he was, especially coming from the Parcells tree. Right. I was just shocked. I was just shocked that he just let guys do whatever the heck they wanted. It was it was really, really strange. I mean the the, the 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 biggest thing you need to remember about Todd Bowles when when uh when Muhammad Wilkerson was late for the the meeting or practice or whatever, he said, Well sometimes the alarm clock doesn't go off. I mean really, really Todd, really this is Exactly. This is what you're gonna say they, right now. Like, really? I just, I was, I was a fan of the hire. I thought he was going to be a great coach and he was everything but that. Were you surprised how, just how awful he was? I know you said you thought it was going to be, but yeah, bad he was. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, Parcells tree, he was, he is a hell of a defensive coordinator. There's no doubt about that. But but it's it's true what they say. Some guys are just really good coordinators, and just like Rex. Rex was a bad head coach as well, but he's a hell of a defensive coordinator. See, I actually, Rex, thought, I actually thought Rex was a better head coach than than people give him credit for. I, th- I think if Rex would have toned down the bombasticness and the loud bravado and all that BS that came with Rex, and I and I get it, it's hard because that that's part of who Rex is. But I think if Rex would have toned that down a little bit, I actually think people like I think people would look at that more than I think Rex is coaching. Because I think I actually think Rex is a decent coach. Um, I think he's a better coach than I think he's given credit for. Uh, I had some issues with you know um, some of his management and clock management and things like that, which Bowles was even worse at. It yeah, just, Bowles, I mean, it, it looked tough. like it, it literally looked like you know Bowles had zero feel for a game, and I mean there was the times where he would. We'd be not that far out of the game, but it'd be the fourth quarter and he'd punt. Like he just, I just felt like he had no clue what was going on. And, and that was, that's what doomed him. He just, he wasn't a good head coach and he may get another job. And, and, and I, you know, for a head coaching job, you know, and, and power to him, but he's a hell of a defensive coordinator and, and, and that's where he should make his money. I think. Yeah, no, I, it, Bowles was just, I mean, it just, it, Bowles was just so bad. I mean, he was just yeah. so so bad. I mean, it was he was mind-boggling bad. Like, yeah, I, I think he's I, I think he's in the discussion for probably the worst Jets coach of all time. He's up there with Rich Kotite for me. I mean, Jesus, he, he, oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. He if Kotite's one and 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 Bowles is one B. And you catch me on the right day, I might say Bowles is one. I, it just how <laughs> bad he was. Just yeah. oh man, I mean, yeah. I just had to defend Rex there a little bit. I actually think Rex is a little bit better a coach than I think people give him credit. I mean, he had some listen, time. Man- he had some time management issues. I, I, Rex, no, Rex no, no one about of the greatest times that this franchise has seen in a long time. And I, I and I do think he was. I, 
I guess I'll, I'll retract a little bit what I said. I, I think he was a good coach. I just think that he coached with too much emotion, which right. made him make bad decisions. I'll I say that. Yeah, that's that's a better that's a better assessment. I can agree with that. Yeah, I, I do. And and I think Rex's inability to focus more on the offense, even just a little bit, yeah. I think doomed him too. Oh, because absolutely. I think Rex should have taken a little bit more ownership of the offense. Should have should have been a little bit more involved with it. Um, and that doomed him. That that really doomed him. But and, and the other thing with Bowles, and not to just make this a Todd Bowles fest, but the other thing about it is his defenses were never great here either. That's the oh. other thing that was surprising too, is that it like not just his coaching was bad, but even his defensive acumen took a step back because I never thought his defenses were that great here. Oh, they they weren't. And that that was that was always mind boggling as well. Like just everything was bad. Everything. Yeah, everything. everything. And I mean they had those stretches. Where they had like they'll had they had a good game or you know a game with a ton of takeaways, but they could never get off the field on third down ever, and and never. it just was atrocious. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, man. I, I'm going to make you throw up here a little bit. Um, Mike McCagnan, the general or the ex general man of the New York Jets. Um, look, it was time for McCagnan to go, but my biggest issue, one of the big, I mean, I literally flipped out on social media. They let this man they, – they basically, they don't fire him in January when they fired Bowles. They should have been fired the same day. They let him, they let him sit in through the coaching meeting. They knew, they knew that McCagnan and Gase weren't going to work. They just knew it. They knew it. They knew it. And they still kept him on the job. They let him run free agency. They let him run the draft. And then you fire him in May? I, I just – Paul, I, I literally lost my shit. And I got into, I, you know, that rabbit hole that you talked about earlier on social media. Oh, I, I dug myself so many because I, you know, because to Jet fans, they thought I was defending Mike McCagnin. No, I'm not defending Mike McCagnin. I'm just saying that it was terrible to how they did it. I mean, if you're going to fire this guy, fire him in January. Why did you let him run your draft and free agency? That was my issue. Like, what were, how were you, where were you on the whole Mike McCagnin debacle? Well, I agree he should have been fired, whether it had been January, whether it had been May, whatever the month may have been. Um, the initial shock I wasn't happy with because I'm like, oh, my God, the Jets just fired the general manager after the draft. But when I thought about it, the top GM candidate this year is going to be Joe Douglas. There's, there's no debating that. That is 100% right. fact. So the fact that the Jets were able to get a jump on that and be the team that made him their general manager, that made it okay for me uh, once I settled down and realized, um, you know, after the firing, I kind of talked to a few people, um, and I I felt pretty confident maybe a day or so after the hire that Joe Douglas was going to be the GM. Now, this is obviously before interviews, and this is before everything. So I figured the way they handled it, sure, could they have handled it better? Absolutely. But I think the fact that Gates and Douglas have a, have a strong relationship that had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, Mike McCagnin was very indecisive. He couldn't make decisions. And it's, it's clear uh, when it comes to some free agent signing. It's clear when it comes to trying to trade for players. Um, he was a terrible drafter. Um, and I think and, – and, and Christopher Johnson, when he, when, he, when he made the decision to fire McCagnin, he said – you know, I, I really didn't know what was going on. Um, I, I sat down and I took an opportunity to, to be in meetings more and see what was going on. And I decided that this was the right decision. So I credit Christopher Johnson for doing that. 
I credit him for stepping up. I credit him for seeing that there was something wrong. And I credit him for, for handling it the way he thought was best. Um, so while for that quick, you know, first three, four hours when he was fired and it was chaos and everybody was, was panicking. Um, yeah, it looked bad, but I, I think the Jets came out on the better side being able to hire Joe Douglas and, and get a jump on it. I mean, if you have an opportunity to make a move before anybody else is going to, um, I think that's the opportunity that you make. I think that the Jets felt pretty confident that they could hire Douglas. So that's why they, they fired McCagden when they did. No, I'm, I'm glad that they, I'm glad that they got Joe Douglas. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm, I'm, and, and I'm glad I agree they got with right. The drafting part and letting him draft doesn't make much sense. I get it, but, but I think that, I mean, we all saw the pictures from draft day where McCagney was in the room basically by himself at one point. So clearly it was, yeah. did you want this to go through the full year? Did you want McCagney and his scouting department to be out on the road scouting for you? when he probably knew that he wasn't going to be the GM next year. So I think in the aspect of allowing Douglas to get in here, allowing Douglas and his scouting team to start this year out with a fresh draft and being with Gase, somebody he's comfortable with, then, you know, hiring a whole new staff and they're having to scramble before the draft. So I think that's the one benefit um, that makes sense of why the Jets did what they did. No, I, I'm with you for the most part. I just I think the biggest issue that I had with it is just that there there goes again the Jets being rinky dink. There go again the Jets being a dysfunctional organization. And even though they got it right, even though they stumbled their way into getting it right, still the perception of the Jets being kind of this dysfunctional, making the, the Johnson family looking bad again, and moronic decisions that they make. I, that's just the thing that, that that makes me mad about it. You know, and, and and you know, at the end of the day, they got it right, so I guess I shouldn't be too mad about it. But yeah, I just yeah, I just just a little rant that I had to have because I just I hated how it went down. I'm like, if you wanted to fire McCagnan, by all means, fire him. He deserved it. But just fire him in January, the same day Bowles. Him and Bowles can be packing their bags the same day. Yeah, that was just my leash. Yeah, and, and like I said, I I I know that the Jets come off as, as a joke a lot, but I think this one time where it was it was all jokes about them, I think <laughs> right. that it was finally time for them to to make a move and and kind of finally turn this franchise around and get people who are well respected in their front office. Um, and I think they finally did that. They absolutely did. So thank God for that. Jeez, thank God. Um, so what's the outlook for this season? I mean, obviously, uh, Darnold is 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 uh, is KO'd right now. There's 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 hope that he comes back in week five. I guess that's what they're shooting for. Still nothing definitive just yet. Um, the schedule's tough. Obviously, we've all talked about it. It's been written about the, t- the schedule for the first six weeks of the season is just brutal. Uh, then it kind of lessens as, as you know, after the bye, especially it lessens there. Um, can this team survive? Can this team? And I think that's what makes the Buffalo Bills loss in week one um, so, so angering because of you knew the schedule. And obviously we didn't know that Darnold was going to get mono, obviously. But, you know, just everything that we know now, that loss in Buffalo, that loss of Buffalo week one is even worse because had they been one and one instead of 0-2, I think they look a lot better this weekend, right? Yeah, of course. And, and like I said, it, I don't want to give a boring answer and say I don't know, but, but I don't know because, you know, 
we're hoping that Darnold's coming back week five. But, I mean, what if he doesn't? Then is he coming back week six? Right. Is he coming back week seven? So it, it's hard to say because we don't know when Darnold's actually coming back. I mean, Gase seems to be hopeful and optimistic, and so does Darnold that he'll be back week five. But if they come out of the bye week and his screen is still enlarged, he can't play. So, and that's why, I, it, and I don't like how they're handling this. And I don't mean to cut you off for a second, but I, I don't like how they're handling this because it's like they're, they're they're giving fans optimism when they don't even know, and I don't like that. Like it's di- it's different than an ankle injury. It's different than a knee injury or something. Like no, this is this is something totally different. So I think if you're the Jets, you're better off just saying nothing. You know, you know, hey, I'm getting better. I'm feeling better. I, I hope to be back out there, but we just don't know when. We want to be sure. Like that's the way you handle this. Going out there and giving timetables and dates and oh, week five looks like the target. No. They're making mistakes because, like you said, we don't know. I, I, I've never had mono. I don't know anybody that's had mono. But I mean, it's it's. I know after the initial laugh and haha, only the Jets. Like models is is no joke. It's serious. Yeah. And this is not something that just gets better overnight or even with a couple weeks. You know, here's a here's a flu shot. You're good. Like no, this takes time, and they're setting the fan base up for false expectations. Because, like you said, what if he's not back by week five? And I, I mean, I think the positive is that he's back at the facility so quickly. Usually, you're right. spo- apparently, according to reports, you're supposed to be away from anybody for like 21 days. Obviously, really? we didn't get to that time frame. Uh, so it's all up to if his spleen, you know, goes down in size. So, um, you know, I don't think this was the Jets in this aspect because it was Donald who said uh, he was hoping to be back week five when he mm-hmm. did his radio spot with Michael K. So, it was his first day back at the facility. I don't know if the team briefed him on what to and what not to say. Um, right. I think that was him being optimistic. And I think once he said that, it's kind of like, okay, well, where are we going with this? So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping he can be back by then. But we won't know until they come out of the bye week because we're not going to hear anything during the bye week. Obviously, they're not going to be practicing. Um, and then it's, it's, it's the start of the Eagles week. And then we'll see, hey, is Sam practicing? If Sam's practicing – then we then we're gonna assume he's playing, you know. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully he's practicing and can go. Um, you know, they or initial reports said he had lost like ten to fifteen pounds, and then he advised he only lost two. And then when we saw him the other day uh, when he did his his media stuff for the Jets, he looked the same. So it, right. it's gonna be really hard to tell. Yeah, and that's the frustrating thing about this. You know, it's like we just don't know. We're not there with the guy every yeah. day, so we, you know, we just don't know, right? Um, so, what's a, what's a realistic expectation right now? Um, you know, I, I know I asked you this, and, and you kind of had the diplomatic answer, but you know, what's a realistic expectation right now? Can they survive this stretch without Darnold? I know that they're going up to New England, and you know what my worry is about this weekend? It's like I, I think they'll play well. I actually think they'll be in the game on Sunday. I really do because it's typical Jets, right? When everybody's counting them out, they'll go out there and they'll have a hell of a performance, and they'll lose a game that they probably should win because that's just typical Jets. Um, what's a realistic expectation? Like, can they survive this stretch? Let's say Darnold is back week five um, against the Eagles. You know, what's real? If Darnold is going to play and play like how we expect him to, I mean, this team could probably win eight or nine games. Um, Can that happen? We'll see. Um, I thought that this team could have been competing for a wild card spot possibly. And now the AFC is wide open uh, with the injuries to big Ben. uh, The wild card spots are wide open. 
the problem is is two teams that they might be competing for the wild card spot are going to be the Bills and the Browns. Um, and that Browns loss might become costly from Monday night because they didn't have Darnold. So uh, it'll be interesting. Um, I do think that the excitement will come back once Darnold returns. Um, and as soon as Darnold rails off a win or two, the excitement will continue to increase. And then the schedule is going to soften. So, um, you know, it all relies on Darnold. I think, he, you know, I do think he's going to be the quarterback that people think he's going to be, uh, not only just this year, but into the future. Um, so, you know, the excitement will return once he's playing games because, I mean, let's face it, Trevor Simeon is not somebody who gets you excited. And while the stadium was, was chanting for Luke Falk and everything on Monday night, I mean, what did, he's a third-string quarterback for a reason. You know what I mean? So anything you get from Luke Falk is house money at this point, whether he wins a game or two while Darnold's out or and he plays decent and keeps the key with teams in the game and, and, and doesn't make it a blowout. But, I mean, there's really nothing you can expect from him or should expect from him. I'm not – I mean, there's people out there who are like, oh, well, you know, why is Luke why, – why didn't they go out and, and try to get another quarterback? I mean, when you're really down to your second and third string quarterback, it doesn't really matter who's playing. Um, you know, you have a starting – your starter's your starter for a reason, and your backup and third string are, are, are the backup and third string for a reason. So, um, I mean, yes, there's rare cases where Nick Foles came in and won the Super Bowl, and we've got Gardner Minshew right now who's playing like, you know, a man on fire. And there's those are outliers, and we don't even know if those are going to keep up, you know, for stuff like that. But, you know, we know how the Jets operate, and we're not expecting Luke Falk to come in and, and become the next Tom Brady. We're just not in it. And it's not going to happen. So we have what we hope is our franchise quarterback. And it's just, you know, when he comes back, you know, it's what can he do with what's left? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Before we transition over to the Mets real quick, um, this is the one thing we're going to disagree on. um, The Jets jerseys. Um, I will say, I will say they've grown on me. They've grown on me since the since the launch. Obviously, seeing them in on the field in game, they've they've grown on me a little bit. Um, I like the black ones the best. I just I don't know. I I was I'm 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 an old soul at heart. I don't mind the traditional uniform. I, I liked it. I I didn't mind it. I if I wasn't anti getting a new uniform, I just wanted them to get it right. And I was just kind just the, the, I just eh, it, it was okay. I didn't love it. You seem to like it, love it. I just, I didn't love the new uniforms. I'll be honest with you. So what I will say is, um, as I've talked about, um, you know, the, the rebrand was, was really huge for me. Um, I love the jerseys. Um, the helmet is the best part. The transition yes, chrome. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Um, the only thing that they failed on, and I reported on this, Um, because I did speak with some sources in regards to the jersey. I did actually, I got pictures of the jersey the day that they were releasing, and I was told they were 100% correct, but you never know with that stuff. I mean, there's people that that I trust, and and one of the persons that I trust put me in touch with this person who showed me the pictures. Um, But like I said, I wasn't sure if they were them. Turns out that they were. I couldn't really tell with the helmet. Uh, later in the day, I confirmed that the helmet was the transition helmet um, that was um, like LSU wore previously the year. Originally, it was supposed to be a matte helmet. I'm not sure which color, but I'm glad they didn't go with that because I'm not a fan of that look. Uh, my only issue was with the logo, um, and a lot of people were mad at Nike for that. They were like, this is what you came up with. But as I reported, too, 
um, that was a Johnson move. Um, they they didn't want to go to a, um, a plain logo. I'm not sure why. Um, I wasn't able to confirm the exact reason why. I was just able to confirm that Nike did want to change the logo and, and do something with a jet, um, and the Johnsons didn't want to do that. So um, I'm happy with what they did. I love the color names. Um, I love Gotham Green. I think that's fantastic. Um, I like how they're embracing New York City, even though the teams obviously don't play in New York. Uh, but I, I, the helmet is amazing. Uh, the helmet logo has grown on me, even though there's no jet in it. I like it better than the oval. Um, I like how it's just the Jets word mark with a football underneath it. Um, I do like the change. I think people are really going to like the white jerseys as well. Um, and the more they see them, because to me, they remind me of the jerseys from the 90s, um, the white with the black and the big numbers yeah. on the back. For some reason, on the white jerseys, the numbers on the back of the jerseys just stick out more, and I'm not sure why. Um, the, the it just it, it, even in because uh, I own uh, one of each jersey, all the colors. Even in person, the the number on the white jersey just sticks out on the back of the jersey. So I'm not sure how they did that or whatever, but it kind of looks like that jersey. So um, I love them. Uh, do I think that they could have done other things? Absolutely. Um, I think they nailed the colors. Um, they failed on the logo, but they 100% the best part of the jersey is the helmets. Uh, I agree with you. I like the helmets. Um, I, I was either way with the logo. Like, I, if you made it a jet, great. If you kept it the same, I, I would have been fine with it. Um, the only thing with the jersey, well, the biggest thing with the jersey is I don't like the lettering New York in the front. I just, it, I don't know. It, my OCD just bothers me. I'm just like, I don't like that. Like, just. Yeah, like, I don't want New York written out. Like, I don't know, it just bothers. It's a small, minor thing, I know, but I, I just, I would have liked it a lot better I, had New York I been on there. I do agree. It does kind of make it look kind of college-ish. But, um, again, this goes back to the Johnsons wanting to embrace New York City. Um, you know, that's why one of the colors is Gotham. Um, they wanted to embrace the whole New York's team uh, kind of aspect. It. So that's why, that's why you got that big New York across the chest. Um, I mean, you have to wait. Um, after you get new jerseys, you do have to wait five years before you make any changes. So could they make changes? Absolutely. Uh, but this was such a drastic change. I don't know, you know, if they make any changes, what it might be. Um, the only thing I initially had issues with was the striping on the jerseys. But when you see yeah. those jerseys on field and they're up on the shoulder pads, it looks different than it does if you're wearing the jersey without the shoulder pads. So, um, that's brought a new look and a different look to it that I don't really have an issue with anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, I, like I said, they've grown on me. They have grown on me, I will admit. Um, and and a lot of people I've talked to who have hated them from when they released, now that they're starting to see them on the field, they're coming around on them too. And And I knew that would happen. And it's the jersey. It's like, what can we do? That's the jersey that they're going to have we're stuck with it like you said they can't make another change for another five years so we're stuck with them we're stuck rooting for them so uh -huh. you know it is what it is you know what i mean um but no i think grown on me I, I like the black the best even though i initially i hated the black because i was just like the jets don't naturally have a black color in them they've never had it i know in the 90s i did for a little bit but i just i don't i don't like when people just kind of add black to things like i just it bothers me again ocd can't help it um 
but it's grown on me. I like I like the black on there. I just like my biggest issue was were the stripes and the New York. I, 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 even now, like the stripes, like you said, now that they've that they're on the shoulder pads, they don't bother me as much. I just want New York gone. Like I, I get embracing New York and New York's team, but you did that with Gotham Green or whatever. So I, I think they they kind of overdid it with the New York. I wish they would have just left that part out of it. You know, you could have put new NY or something on the like a shoulder pad or something. I would have been, you know, that that could have, you know, like we could have split the difference there. But yeah, but no, no, they, they've grown on me. They've grown on me. I, I actually expected us to disagree a little bit more than that. But I think you you seem to kind of see where I'm coming from with. It. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, cool. So let's transition over to the Mets real quick. Um, has there ever been a whirlwind kind of crazy season like this season that we've? that you know crazily enough is still ongoing but um this has been one of the craziest seasons i re- i can remember being a met fan like just the whirlwind of emotions you know from the start of the season where you started it with some optimism to that that may to june period where just the the bottom fell out you had mickey calloway fighting a beat reporter um, and you just you just kind of felt like this team was just heading to another seventy and ninety two season, and then out of nowhere, just complete, just out of nowhere, they make a hell of a run and they get back into things and they have the ultimate highs, the ultimate lows. Like, have you seen a crazier season like this Mets season since you've been a fan? No, I mean the two thousand fifteen season was fun, obviously because of the run, but I don't. Right. The range of emotions and, and not caring and getting ready to stop. Because normally what I do is, don't get me wrong, like I'm not, I'm not a bad fan, but like when the Mets are out of it, like I don't waste my time to sit and watch a game. Like I'll go and do things. I, I'd rather just get the text alerts of the score. You know what I mean? But to actually sit and still care about this team in September is fantastic. And I mean, yeah, I never liked the Mickey Calloway hire. I don't think he should be the manager next year. He better not be the manager next year. Um, but the range of emotions and roller coasters this season has been, I mean, it's so fun to watch Pete Alonzo play baseball. Uh, I McNeil is a great hitter. Um, you know, I'm a huge Michael Conforto fan. I think he's very underappreciated. He's a very good player. Um, at the core of this team, Rosario is finally starting to hit. That's why you don't give up on young players. Um, Absolutely. So it's just it's been a fun season. Um, I don't know if it's going to end with playoffs. Um, they're three games out. I don't have any clue where it's headed. I don't know if they're going to get lucky and and back in. Um, but you know, we're I'm going to watch it till the end, and, and you know, I'm and hope for the best. But you know, this season's been crazy. Um, you know, the drama, the issues. You know, um, the back to the, you know, Callaway and Vargas wanting to fight the beat writer, uh, Syndergaard <laughs> not wanting to pitch to Ramos, um, Jed Lowry being MIA and nobody knowing what's wrong with him for 96% of the season, Frazier being awful and then starting to hit again, um, Cano getting injured, tearing a hamstring and coming back finally when he started hitting. Um, so it's, it's just been interesting. Um, and I'm ready to see where, where it goes. I almost feel like they have to make a playoffs just to validate everything, just to like to validate this craziness that we've been through. They almost have to make the playoffs now. Like it would almost feel like, damn, they didn't make the playoffs. So we went through all of that and then like nothing came out of it. Like they almost have to well, make the that, playoffs now. That's the Mets. 
Yeah, no, that is the Mets. No, um, I, I'm with you on I, I'm with you on everything. I, I I agree with you. This is probably the most likable Mets. This team is even more likable than the 2015 team. I, I just oh, really I like this team. There, there was players on that on that team that I hated, like especially Lucas Duda. But like, there's literally to me, like I hate Diaz, yes, and I can't really stand Familia. But like the rest of this team is just they're so likable. They're so young, likable. they're talented, and they're they're likable. It, it, it's fun. Absolutely. Ahmed Rosario. I mean, remember when the New York media was just trying to run him out of town? Like, oh, he's a bum. Yeah, because nobody has patience with young players. Nobody. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and look at everything that he's done. He's, he's, he's gotten more patient at the plate. He's just, he's, his powers getting better. I mean, yeah, the kids, the kid is, is, is really blossomed and McNeil and Alonzo. I mean, what else can you say about Pete Alonzo? I mean, well, geez, exactly. I mean, what, with the guy and then Conforto I'm with you I love Conforto I think he's so underrated um, I, and the crazy thing about Conforto is I don't even think you've seen the best of Conforto yet like that's the crazy thing about it is I don't think he's put together a full just 54 game season where he's consistent from you know game one out you know minus a couple streaks here and there but like I don't think you've seen the best of Conforto yet like I think you still no. I think you still have yet to see the best of him yet and that's the crazy thing about I, it I agree with that, and I give him so much credit because he was able to survive basically Alderson and Terry Collins trying to ruin him. They like yep. they refused at times to play him every day. They sent him up. They, they I mean they sent him down. They brought him back up. They literally tried to ruin him, and the fact that he was able to survive that, and he's having he's got career high in home runs this year, and and he's just he's a really good baseball player. I mean, you know, you've got elite players, you've got good players. He's a really good baseball player. Really good player, and he does everything you ask of him. You ask him to play, yeah. he does it competently. You know, he's not a bad base runner. Like he's just a good, solid player, man. I just, I, I'm with you, man. I love Conforto. I, I really do. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know where this ends. I, I think it's going to be a little bit hard, just because they have so many teams to jump over. I mean, if you think about it, there's, there, there's the Cardinals, the Cubs, Brewers. You know. You know, one of the, if not two of those teams, have to fall out for the Mets to make it. Um, and then, of course, you got the Nationals in there as well. The Nationals are obviously in the first slot. The the Brewers have overtaken the Cubs, so the Mets to make the playoffs, they literally have. They need either the Brewers and Nats or the Cubs to completely go in a tailspin the last couple of days here for even have a shot. But I mean, it's still. I mean, as crazy as the season has been. You know, it might still happen. I mean, it's three games left. What, with 10 to play, I think, or 10 or 9 to play? I think it's about 9 or You've 10. Seen straight, yeah, we've seen stranger things have happened. I mean, this is the same franchise that blew a seven-game lead with 17 to play. So, um, you know, if anybody knows about collapses, it's Met fans. So, we know. Oh, for so. sure. Yeah, no, it's crazy. You, you brought up Callaway. I was never I was never a fan of the hire either. I, I hated it. I completely hated it then. I hate it now. Um the only thing with it, though, is like, don't you kind of wish that they don't make the playoffs? Because it's like, how do you fire the guy if they make? And even if they, you know, let's just say they make like a 2015-ish run, maybe not a World Series, but like get to an an, an LCS. Like, are you really going to fire the manager even after that? That's the only I, I thing. I think. I think yes. Um, I think that the only way that he stays is if they win the World Series. Um, I think he's been too bad. I think it's been pointed out by too many people. Um, I think he's been a good soldier because, like I said, uh, it's very hard to work for the Wilpons. Um, I don't know who they're going to hire because it's, if, if, if you're going to hire somebody with credence and, and somebody with a name, 
you're going to have to prove to them that you're not the Wilpons from the last 10 years. And you're going to have to prove to them that they're going to be able to do their job without you being terrible and you trying to stick your nose into the business. So um, it's going to be interesting to see who they do hire if they get rid of them. But I think that there's just, there's everybody knows he's bad. And, and I just, I just don't think he survives the way he's managed this season. Cause I mean, there's just some games where he's brought in Diaz that has cost them games. And there's just no, ex, there's no explanation for it. And I just don't think that they can go into the season with him as the manager next year. I'm with you. Yeah. No, I, and, and you know how some years we, we kind of overstate how managers, how bad managers are. No, there's no overstating with Mickey. Like he's literally cost the Mets 20 something games just on bad management Ooh, yeah. alone. Like, at least. Yeah, at least. Yeah, he's just so bad. The one thing I will give him credit for, the one thing I will definitely, and it pains me to do it, they play hard for him. They play hard for yes. him. They, that Not is one thing that they do. They, 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 hate it or love it, you got to give the guy credit. That team could have quit on him so many times, and they didn't. And that's a testament to him, and it's a testament to them too, because like you said, we just talked about how these guys are good guys and good players, but they could have quit on him easily. They quit on they quit on better managers, you know, for far less. So they could easily quit on this guy, and they didn't. So that that he gets the credit for that. So, um, but yeah, he's just so. Bad. I mean, they've literally won games in spite of Mickey Callaway. Like they they have the literally only, won games in spite of him. The only thing that I think that could save him possibly is like if Pete Alonso goes and talks to them and says, "Hey, listen, this guy is our manager. We want to play for him." He can get us to where we need to go because in, in all seriousness, Pete Alonso is the captain of his team. They don't need to announce it. Um, you know, he, he, even with DeGrom, the, you know, this, this kid's a stud. He's, I mean, I look at him, I look at him as, as what David Wright was. Um, I, you know, unfortunately, obviously how we lost David to injury and he never got to, you know, fulfill what he was expected of as a player and as a prospect because of the injuries. But I feel like that is what Alonzo is, and that is what Alonzo is going to be. So I think that if if he keeps his job, I think it'll come out that Pete Alonzo vouched for him, and then the players followed suit. And, and if that is the case and they want to do it, well, then you need to go back it up next year, and you need to go and win because you kept him here. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how good has J.D. Davis been? God, that dude. Hey, yo, listen, I get a lot of flack from some people because I – before J.D. Davis decided that he was going to be awesome, I he wasn't good. And I yeah. thought that the Mets should have made a move for an outfielder and to replace him in the lineup. So a lot of people still come back on me as like, oh, you didn't believe in J.D. Davis. Well, he didn't give me any reason to. But a now lot of people didn't believe in J.D. Over, Davis, yeah. to be fair. I mean, the guy's hitting yeah. over 300. Of, of course, yes, do I look silly? But, yeah, but if, if a guy is getting up to the plate and he's constantly getting out, I'm going to say this person should not be playing, but he got consistent playing time and turned into a hell of a player this season. I agree. I completely agree. The only guy I don't like on this team is Cano, honestly. <laughs> Cano and Diaz. Uh, those are the only yeah. two guys. Cause those are the two I, guys. And, and, and I, never, like, I hated that trade. I hated that trade. Oh, it was terrible. It was a terrible move. It didn't make sense for the Mets to do it. It was another one of those band-aid, um, you know, over the hill players. I do like to know I don't have any issues with him. It's just that I, I, if he's going to hit, then I have no problems. If he's going to hit, then by all means, I have no issues with him. But there's no reason that Diaz should – I mean, I can see it now that this team is in a one-game playoff 
and he brings Diaz into the game in the seventh or eighth inning, and they lose the game because of it. So I, mm-hmm. I cannot stand Diaz. My my only issue with Cano is because I only I know that he's going to be a typical Met that they've gotten past his prime, and they're going to and we're going to be forced to watch him for at the very least three and a half four years, and yep. it's just going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal, and he's going to be forty, still trying to hang in there, you know, batting two ten, and the Mets are going to still pay him because they're still paying him twenty million, and it's just it's just it's that's my only issue with Cano. It's like this is yeah, probably I, the I, best. I can't disagree with that. This is probably the best you're going to get out of Canel. So, yeah, that, yeah, that's the only issue that I have with Canel. But, yeah, man, it's a likable team. Um, by the time we post this episode, it'll be Sunday. Who knows what has happened since then? Let's hope that the let's hope that the Brewers and the Cubs can continue to lose. Uh, hell, even the Nationals um, doesn't look like it. The, the Brewers are playing the god-awful Pirates. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. And the Cubs look like they're falling apart too, which is good. So, um, but you know, we have a chance and let's see, let's, 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 uh, let's hope that this last week is a memorable one, man, for, you know, as a Met fan, cause we need it. Absolutely. We, we could definitely use a memorable end to this baseball season from, from a, from a shade, from a, uh, from a Mets stadium, Mets, uh, Mets fan base perspective. Of course. All right, man. Uh, I think we got to everything, though. I think we got to everything yeah. that I wanted to get to. Uh, that's uh, awesome. pretty good. Um, before we get out of here, man, I just want to give you an opportunity to uh, plug everything going on on Turn On The Jets and your new show and where people can find you, plug your social media. Use this time to sell yourself, man. Absolutely. Appreciate it. So you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Paulie, P-A-U-L-I-E underscore B-R-U-Z. Um, I'm a part of TurnOnTheJets.com, uh, the Turn On The Jets digital network. Um, you can follow at Play Like a Jet One. That's all together, no underscores. That's my producer Scott. He he produces all of the content for um, the digital network and podcast. Um, and my podcast is Prepare for Takeoff. Again, it's a weekly show um, where we discuss the upcoming opponent and matchups. Um, on that, there's so much content that's on TurnOnTheJets.com. Uh, so many podcasts. Um, we've got film breakdown. Um, we've got it all. Um, it's your one-stop job, one-stop shop um, for Jets news. So, um, like I said, follow me. Uh, I'm a, I, I like to think I'm a fun follow. Um, I keep it light. I talk everything, like I said, from sports to popular culture um, and hip-hop, music, everything. That, that's just me. So, uh, give me a follow, and uh, I promise not to disappoint. Awesome, man. Paulie, thank you for being my guest on this week, uh, on the podcast this week, man. I, I really, really appreciate it. I, I love the conversation. Yeah, likewise, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, everybody you, uh, everybody else, man, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. As always, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Um, as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at AGS Pod, on Instagram, AGS Podcast, Facebook, Any Given Sunday. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the Manual Brown. Facebook, Manuel Brown, Instagram, the Manuel Brown, and of course, Snapchat, Bro 15 um, We get up out of here. Um, thanks again to Paulie for being my guest. Uh, make sure you go follow him. He is a great follow. And make sure you check out all of the content that's on. If you're a Jets fan, of course, if you're a Bills fan, you can still follow Paulie and follow Turn On The Jets as well, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why you would, but sure. Um, but no, if you're if you're a Jet fan out there, man, Turn On The Jets is such a great site. Just a great um, 
digital network. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's, um, it, it really is awesome. They do a lot of great work over there, man. So make sure you give those guys, a uh, your follow and your time, man. It's, it's, a, it's, um, it's awesome. It's dope. It's really dope, man. And, uh, shout out to everybody over there at the turn on the jets, uh, digital network for real. Um, uh, but yeah, we're going to get up out of here. Uh, enjoy your, the rest of our days. And, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Paulie Bruce Ace. I am Manny Brown. We are out of here. Peace.